0: We have reached the verdict already. We all just kind of looked at each other and nodded. We find the defendant guilty of charges.
1: Weight 105? Yeah, in your bra.
2: Your Honor, I object. You would! Bastard! Hey! Quiet. Quiet! Nothing Whether it's race it, to the or starry deceases, there is no basis for imposing some draconian policy with regard to bail, nunc potunk Your Honor, the defense is now just making up worse. We came to your trial. Oh, look how cute. There's like a judge in everything. and jury people. Vote for us! Ladies. Welcome to Opening Arguments the podcast that pairs an inquisitive interviewer with a real-life lawyer. This podcast is sponsored by the Law Offices of P. Andrew Torres, LLC for entertainment purposes, is not intended as legal advice, and does not form an attorney-client relationship. Don't take legal advice from a podcast.
0: Hello and welcome to Opening Arguments. This is episode 204. I'm your host, Thomas Smith. Out over there is Andrew Torres. Andrew, are you uh, exhausted and out of breath from all of the laps you've been doing around the office? Uh, it, it, the Andrew was right victory laps?
3: Yeah, I've got I've been making the uh, the Richard Nixon V for Victory uh, sign and um yeah, no we uh, we did Yeah, we need we did to reappropriate that minutes yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I did it first. Nixon stole yeah. it from opening arguments. Let's take back uh, the V for Victory sign. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's we're reclaiming a a time honored uh Yeah,
0: yeah it's, <laughs> so, no, this is
3: we we are uh we're we're now recording at our usual time for the Tuesday episode for episode two hundred four
0: and um and breaking news. Oh, I thought you were going to say what the breaking news was. Okay, I
3: was se- I was setting you up. I was setting that's, me that's up. We that's what the professionals oh, uh, yeah. in the business Pe- uh, Pecker call out
0: screws set up. Trump, or what was the other one? <laughs> breaking news. These will all be nice and well worn out by the time people hear this. Oh yeah, all the... <laughs> All the pecker jokes <laughs> that everybody got tired of in the four days since this, um, yeah. So that was exactly what you had kind of talked about, right? Yeah, I,
3: I was, um, so a, I was proud of us that we went uh, 155 minutes yesterday and did not make a single pecker joke. So, um, <laughs> uh, so we can, you know, we can, we can break that. To, we can break. Yeah, that Brian, edit that, that one um, out. <laughs> 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 uh, no, um, it even i am surprised at how quickly this moved right like so the let's let's do this for an analogy right like prosecutions are kind of like punctuated equilibrium, right? Like there are these rapid decision points that come up really, really quickly. And then there are long stretches, you know, of investigation and things. So, you know, we've been urging caution on the overall Mueller investigation of, hey, you know, these things move slowly. These things take time. Um, we, this is the flip side of that, right? Yesterday we told you that um, the Allegations in the Cohen information regarding David Pecker uh, serving essentially as the lookout for Donald Trump uh, as CEO of the National Enquirer, that um, that Pecker was the guy who found out about Stormy Daniels and put Michael Cohen in touch with Stormy Daniels' lawyer, uh, which is not something we knew before. Um, the That led me to say, uh, I think, you know, one of our takeaways was, Uh, what was watch pecker right like that's coming up next and um and today i mean 10 minutes prior to this record uh we got uh, the breaking news that pecker has been offered immunity i have not seen the terms of his immunity deal um i'm gonna continue to scour and look for it while we get on a special guest uh but um but my instant take on this i i said this on the uh, oa uh, twitter feed um this is the opposite of Michael Cohen, right? Like we spent a fair amount of time saying that Cohen didn't get much of a deal yesterday. And uh, and that seems to indicate that the prosecutors felt like they had an awful lot of leverage uh, over Cohen. Um, I read this the exact opposite. To to be out there with somebody who was characterized as having the level of involvement that, that, that Pecker has uh, in the Cohen information and to Immediately offer him immunity. Um, strongly suggests that he has something or things that the Mueller team desperately wants, and wow. um, and that's good news for us.
0: Wow. Yeah. No. Uh, sorry. No Pecker jokes. Not making Pecker jokes. Okay. Uh, yeah. And you know we're gonna get Randall Eliasson on here. I'm I'm excited to talk to him again as always. And, uh, we, we, you know, I, I, also have to announce this is equally important as all the pecker news that, uh, he wasn't around for TTTBE, you know, this was kind of an impromptu thing. So, you know, I, I just had to do that by myself. Now, the real reason is I just don't want to be embarrassed by somebody on TTTBE. So that's the real reason he wasn't there for the, the question. No, um, <laughs> I, uh, I want to ask you before, uh, Randall joins us, I think that uh, question that I, I wonder if you could tackle real quick is the um uh, what's his name who's the asshole oh sh- okay is the Ben Shapiro who actually isn't really a Trump support to be fair you know as right. much as I don't like him he's at least not a Trump guy really uh, although he's as a horrible conservative so I don't I don't know why he's not but but anyway he put up the kind of the defense uh, and, and said I'm surprised. Trump isn't using the simple defense of I pay porn stars all the time I have a history of paying women money for, for whatever so therefore this was a not a campaign expenditure it's just a personal thing that I always pay and I have an established his- history of it and to the point where even uh, Jake Tapper like retweeted it. like people seem to be finding that plausible my intuition would be that once you're a candidate for the presidency, you don't get, you know, it doesn't mean you get to just continue paying whatever to whomever for no reason because we have campaign finance laws. Is that how it works or how does that work? How do you find that defense?
3: Yeah, I I, I think you're right. Let, let me take a step back and say it, it part of how you can tell that this is a big deal is you see the administration It's sycophants and other folks on the right. And I I agree with you that that Ben Shapiro doesn't fall into those first two categories. Um, But you see them test driving a whole bunch of terrible arguments, right? So we we had a couple hours yesterday of, well, you know, Obama had campaign violations, which, you know, I mean, even among, you know, Trump supporters and sycophants was like, yeah, this is, this is a really difficult one, right? You know, you're going to make an equivalence to failure to file paperwork and things that are under the $2,000 threshold and were never directed by Barack Obama or his senior campaign staff right I mean you know th- I mean but th- I'm not surprised every
0: every time this we we go into this I always think like well surely surely they <laughs> can't justify this and there's always something you know there's a, yeah. I saw a Facebook commenter telling us uh, apologies I can't remember who it was but someone said they talked to a Trump supporter or maybe it was a family member who said well you know if like they weren't aware of how many people had been indicted and then they said, "Well, if if Obama had been president during this kind of atmosphere with the same you know people and the, the doing all this investigation, he would have had even more people in his campaign and administration indicted because he had even worse people." So their their feeling is like, no matter what it is, there's always a way to make it okay somehow. It's it's incredible. It's I guess we should have known, but there's always a way for for a lot of people. You know, the theory that like. It's not the Trump administration. It's actually just the investigative environment in 2018 or something. And Obama would have been just as caught up in the fake rigged witch hunt or something. It's just, it's unreal. Uh,
3: Yeah, I... I don't I, I, I don't even know how to how to engage with that, to to be honest. I mean, you know, look, there the certainly is right. I mean, we've decried kind of the 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 shirts and skins environment, even while saying it's important to go out and, and vote for Blanche Boxman. Right. Like that is uh, uh that's so a she has a hell skins. of a platform. Is, well, yeah. She has a D after her name. Yeah. um, And and look like that's right. So in a way, I get that we are reinforcing that that dichotomy. And I'm aware of that. And, 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 you know, you've seen, you know, you and I have have uh, have struggled with that uh, on the show. Um,
0: So now. Yeah, but that's not really a dichotomy. I'll I'll defend forever that Democrats should be are better where the world and the country is better if Democrats are in power. And furthermore, if this Trump supporter I just mentioned, if their thing was like, well, yeah, he's horrible, but I still want Republicans in power, that's not, like, hypocritical, really, per se. Like, if yeah. they just—if their worldview is that whatever these Republicans are doing is better for everybody, you know, I obviously it's still embarrassingly stupid to be saying that Obama would have had just as many people, uh you know, indicted, but— I that's not you know, like I don't I I, I don't blame Republicans for being Republicans yeah. in, in more than Democrats. You know what I mean? I don't know if I'm, that point made sense. But no, I,
3: I, I get yeah. it. I mean, I, I will I I default to this is what I say to Trump supporters who you know, when I've made a crack about Fox News and then they'll say, oh, you know, MSNBC and, and I'll stop and I'll, and I'll say, you know, I want you to go back and look at the content. Right. Because I'm an yeah. MSNBC viewer. Right. I watched Rachel Maddow and Chris Hayes and, and you know, Keith Olbermann back then. right? Like the the way in which MSNBC covered Obama was obviously, you know, on their opinion shows from the left, uh, but in a great many ways was critical of Obama from the left. Right. And I have no doubt that if Hillary Clinton were president, yes, MSNBC's opinion coverage of her would be more favorable than it is of Trump because it's a left leaning political commentary network. But but there's a substantive difference between Covering something from a left wing slant and being a propaganda, organ, yeah. right? Meeting, coordinating with the White a House. Lot. Here, I'll tell you, I'll like tell when, you the difference. When, when, Tucker Carlson yeah.
0: Yeah. gets on and talks about his white nationalist talking points like a white genocide in South Africa. And then the president tweets it. That's the that. That's is that. Did I get it right? T T T B question
3: and let's go through more of that. Right, there is uh, M S N B C does not have a consistent pattern of putting up Democrats convicted of crimes with R's <laughs> after their names. Right, M S N B C does not have a consistent pattern of when news hostile to the president break you know to a Democratic president breaking <laughs> them saying Hey, look, like we're gonna cover it's our seventeen part series on yeah you know, those jokes new snow those jokes are, in Alaska
0: are, are everywhere. One, one of my favorite ones. I saw was like Fox, you know, all the different MSNBC on, you know, Trump uh, conspirators indicted, and then Fox was, are giraffes tall horses? <laughs> <laughs> I, it's,
3: it is. Look, and 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 I, and I do. We don't have a whole lot of Trump listeners, but we have some, and and I would challenge them, right? Like you want, I, I think there is a difference between political slant and independence. Right. Yeah, I believe you. You want to prove to me otherwise? I'm listening. Uh, I believe MSNBC and certainly CNN. Right? I mean, you, know, yeah. you could do a content analysis. CNN is if it is left of center, right? CNN keeps having friggin' Dershowitz on. Like, yeah, they're yeah. No, see, CNN is uh, it, it, you know, you want to say they're left of center? They're maybe a 45 if they are. They, and and on many days they are a 55, right? That there is uh, you would have a hard argument on a content basis that you know, CNN is liberal unless, you know, your Overton window and anything to the left of 90 is is liberal. (laughs) Um, But 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 crucially, they are independent. They are not coordinating with candidates to get out certain messages. Right. uh, Anyway. So now let's go all the way back to Shapiro so I can finally answer your question. Um, There is on one level. Right that that may be the best argument that you can make the I pay porn stars off all the time argument. Um, But but remember that for purposes of the campaign finance law, the threshold is, did you know you were receiving a thing of value? And we've talked with Beth Kingsley. We've been through the election laws. Thing of value is defined incredibly broadly. It absolutely includes killing hostile stories. And uh, uh, the problem with making that argument is if Michael Cohen has a single email, has a single conversation in which the president says, hey, you know, you got this can't come out. Right. It's it's October. I'm not right. Then. Now you have the situation where, you know, you you are caught, you know, red handed well, pl- in. I kind of meant to ask this that, last you know, episode, but
0: nuts. doesn't the yeah. fact that, they you know, we know he set up all this nonsense to pay it. I mean, doesn't that really tip it off? The fact that it was like, yeah the cha- the double double it yeah. for tax purposes <laughs> and like send it through I, I, they, the Trump organization and send, you know do all that stuff
3: yeah through through the Trump charitable trust yeah um so like at at, at some point our tax dollars <laughs> I was, for I was just going to make a, a bad joke
0: that. but to yeah. be fair the first charitable activity that the Trump charity has ever done is paying poor poor porn stars who had to have sex with Donald Trump. I, I feel like that is maybe <laughs> I, a legitimate. I, can we get Brian
3: to play like some Sarah <laughs> McLachlan music in the background yeah. <laughs> you know, for just, for just pennies a day yeah. YouTube can make a difference in the lives. It's like the, of the act, they accidentally
0: women. did something that was actually kind of charitable that everybody's like, oh, okay. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: Right. <laughs> um,
3: so, uh, so, yeah, so that's going to be a really, really hard argument to make. It's going to be doubly hard because the first Trump response, right, which is now, as as journalists are unpacking this, right, uh, go back to OA-154. Remember, Trump all along has said, these stories are false and I wanted them buried for political reasons, right? I didn't want this person sinking my campaign with fake stories. Well, all of a sudden now, it's going to be really, really hard to say, no, no, what I meant to say was, this was totally true, but I had no idea that it would have any influence on the campaign. That, that's, you know. That's going to be a challenging argument to make. And and as you point out, right, this is the the election law statutes are specific intent statutes. They require C-enter. They require you to know that what you're doing is a crime and to do it anyway. And um, and it's hard to prove C-enter, but it's not impossible. Right. Prosecutors do that kind of stuff all the time. And while they can't put your brain, you know, on trial, what they can do is they can show your conduct and let a jury in for uh, the intent from the conduct and describe I mean this is just de- describing a recurring payment maybe it's because I'm a lawyer and I know what a retainer is that it that that like it, it's sticking in in you know in in my craw so much but but a retainer is money in advance that your client gives you that you can then use to pay The bills when you actually do the work. Right. It's it's a way of ensuring that you get
0: paid as a lawyer. (sighs) Well, as you said, I was actually surprised to learn, as we've covered a few times, that there's really, really strict rules around retainers. Right. Yes. Yes. Um, and and in fact,
3: this is how attorneys get disbarred, as you know, as, as we've talked about. And obviously, Michael Cohen is never practicing law again. I mean, you know, we, we, he we arguably we're, we're wasn't all aware of
0: really that. ever. But but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. Well, we've got, to get, to, okay. we've got yeah. to get over to. the king of Manhattan. You, get you know on. what? I, I just realized, though, there was one more minor thing that we saw in the news today, which did not surprise me at all, which was that one lone juror held out on. On the, all those counts, and that was why, and there was pretty much a MAGA juror. So I feel like that ups the chances of uh, of, of retrying Manafort, don't you think?
3: i i agree i think that it depends on what the prosecution wants to do right? right so if if instead of it being paul manafort it was paul smith right and all you cared about was is this guy getting what's coming to him mm. then at that point right manafort's looking at seven years from the eastern district of virginia trial he's probably looking at five years from the dc trial that you know that's
0: probably good so be they might just be like we, right. yeah. Yeah, like we don't want to waste any more government resources like you we, might we say
3: them. resources right on the other hand, as part of the overall investigation, you may want a judicial determination yeah. that yes, in fact, Stephen Calk was promised Secretary of the Navy in exchange for funneling $16 million to Paul Manafort, right? Like yeah, it, it, take it, take
0: my tax t- dollars to uh, feel free to use all the government resources to get rid of all these criminals that were in our government. I'm happy to, to fork over. Yeah. Feel free, prosecutors and whoever's in charge of that. I'll kick in some tax dollars.
3: <laughs> but yeah, no that that was um I, I I was uh it was kind of consistent with what we predicted that you know, it was one lone holdout on the jury and um and that's what led to the partial mistrial on 10 counts. I was really really encouraged by the story. I know I know a lot of lefty sources are uh you know kind of going the other way, but I thought it was encouraging. The juror who was speaking was not the juror who was Mm -hmm. the holdout, right? Right. She was describing the holdout and the juror was saying, hey, look, I'm a Trump supporter and I think this was all kind of political and I really didn't. And I was super skeptical, but boy, like this guy was guilty, (laughs) you know, Yeah, and and. Right. And that gives me confidence. It gives me hope in the process that, you know, these are folks sitting on the jury and that, you know, even Trump supporters are looking at it going. Yeah, no, I it I, I get it. And I don't want to hand the left a victory, but I'm taking my job seriously.
0: And, you know, but that and this is it's still this so scary to think about how partisan we are and then apply that to jury trials and just think like, well, we can't even get a fair trial. Yeah. It's crazy. But okay, Wait, that, I just wanted to bring that up because that was also an interesting development just now. And uh, again, more stuff that I think Andrew was right on about and why uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're listening to the show, listener. And I also, of course, uh, reminder, we did that bonus episode and I have to say, a uh, friend of mine who's a listener, uh, Ashley, said that it was her favorite OA episode ever. And I think that's probably oh. because people love when we can damn hell-ass curse. I think that's... <laughs> I, it was a, it was an uncensored episode, but it was a, a great bonus hour. So go to patreon.com slash law if you want to hear that follow-up. It was really good. All right. Yep. All that said, let's get over to our guest. We are joined by Professor Randall Eliason. Welcome back to the show. How are you doing?
1: Doing great. Great to be back with you guys,
0: especially given the recent news. It's a fun. <laughs> it's a fun <laughs> uh, bit of news to be uh, recording about for sure.
1: What? Something happened?
0: Yeah. Infrastructure week.
1: I'm kind of. Yeah. I'm on vacation. I'm kind of unplugged. You know, you have to fill me in.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There is there is no vacation in the law these days. So uh, for 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 folks uh, who who might be new to the show, Professor Eliason is. I think this is your fourth time on the show. Uh, he is a professor of law at GW, a, uh, a former prosecutor, former big law firm partner, and uh, essentially alternate universe Andrew. I think is uh, <laughs> is fair to say. Uh, we well, also never, went to the only law school that matters, right? So I was
1: never, a, I was never a partner, but I appreciate the promotion. You know. Oh, just oh, an, just an associate. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> can we can we give uh, that, that, that promote? Is that within our power to? Because we'll promote <laughs> you if we can. Uh, yeah. Also, you're gonna have to arm wrestle Andrew Seidel for most for <laughs> for the for like uh, podcast favorite guests. Yeah. So yeah, it's great.
1: I'm 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 gunning for him. Yeah. <laughs> And, and I want the jacket. I heard yeah. that when you appear five times you get a jacket.
0: All right, we'll get uh, we'll get working on that just as soon as we get our shirts figured out. Uh, all right. Well, we should talk about what is going on. Uh, I know you must have studied pecker immunity as a is that a course uh, in undergrad <laughs> in that's the law St- school?
1: That's one of Stormy Daniels movies, I think. <laughs>
0: Oh my god! uh oh, geez, yeah, we're gonna get a lot of <laughs> and, those.
3: And and we've gone blue. Like I, yeah. <laughs> I say of all the guests that I thought would take us over our rating, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I did not expect it to be you, Professor
0: Elison. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, uh, everyone's already heard the jokes by now, so we should we're, we we should make them. Uh, <laughs> what what uh, do you have uh, any opinions on that? I know it's fresh news for us recording today on on Thursday. Yeah. But, yeah, just now you take? seeing
1: that for the first time. I mean, it, you know, it's not terribly surprising. It sounds like in the in the in the campaign finance violation scheme, he you know pretty active, but certainly a lesser uh, player than Cohen himself or other people who you know directly involved in the campaign. And so, it you know I, again, not knowing a lot about it yet, but it wouldn't particularly surprise me if, in order to build the case against. Cohen and maybe other people in the campaign that they would decide to grant, to grant him immunity.
3: So, so my take on yesterday's news was that the, the Cohen deal was, uh, Not a great deal. Right. I mean, you know, it was not uh, the government kind of bending over backwards. It 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 really looked like uh, Michael Cohen was much more in sort of the supplicant role. So two questions. A, uh, do you do you share that view or uh, or am I wrong? Uh, And B, uh, in in light of that, this obviously, you know, a, a. Uh, an immunity deal kind of one day after Cohen pleads uh, looks like uh, at least my kind of reading of the tea leaves is that looks like an awfully good deal for Pecker, which uh, in my view suggests that means that, that he was in a much stronger bargaining position. He's got a lot more to offer uh, Mueller's team. What do you, what do you think about those two things?
1: Uh, Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I I can't tell again, the story kind of just came out. I can't tell if the story is saying he just got the immunity today. It would be, more likely that he got it in the past than the news is just coming out today, but that they immunized him to help build the case against Cohen. But I'm not sure, uh, you know, when he actually received the immunity. But in any event, that, oh, I think that's you're right about. that
3: that no, that's a really really excellent yeah. point to 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 clarify because um, that that I had sort of elided over that. But but yeah, uh, why don't we go down go down that rabbit trail for a minute? Yeah. That uh, that this could have been uh, this could be Late breaking news, but it, it the, the deal itself could have been entered into, you oh, know, really? a month or two ago.
0: So right. why what would I, it I, have I, only come I, out now then? Just because of the tension on Kellen or something?
1: Some The lawyer for Pecker just leaked it now or something, you know. Okay. Uh, but but uh, the more logical, the more common progression of what I would expect seeing this news is that he would receive immunity in, sometime in the past, a few weeks or a month ago. And and that allowed the prosecutors to get his testimony which allowed them to help build the case against Cohen. So the the news may just be coming out now that he got immunity but I would guess maybe that happened a few weeks back.
0: Interesting. Yeah, so, we, we hadn't. Yeah, no that.
3: that that makes a lot of sense and that may then suggest that uh that Pecker has right that he's given what he's given.
1: Yeah. Yeah, either yeah. in the grand jury or just uh just in informal meetings with the prosecutors. Um, now getting back to your your point about Cohen's plea, I think you're right. You know, when you one thing that kind of strikes you when you look at that plea agreement is the government really doesn't give up a lot. I mean, they, they promise in exchange for the plea that we won't prosecute you for anything else in relation to these specific crimes, you know, the, the tax crimes and the campaign finance violations. But he's not getting any other kind of assurances about other possible charges, whether you know it's Russian collusion or you know obstruction of justice or anything else that might end up that he's involved in. Um, so it seemed like it seems like the government had a lot of leverage over him, and and still does, uh, you know, potentially to encourage him to cooperate in possibly other charges or other investigations.
3: Yeah, yeah that uh, that was my read as well and and obviously, you know, Lanny Davis has been, you know, sort of uh fulsome in the media in saying my client intends to uh fully cooperate and would not accept a pardon from that criminal Donald Trump. I mean it it you know, right. it uh it definitely looked like, you know, sort of the 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 supplicant uh, Posed to me. So, uh, yeah. well, that's, that's great. Sorry. Sorry for springing, uh, uh, the, uh, the pecker news on you right away. But, um, no. <laughs> uh, I, I, I think that was incredibly, incredibly useful to, to get out and we will just need to see as it develops, if this mm-hmm. is, he has still more or, uh, this is, you know, in the ordinary course, uh, the, Leaking today, but the but the deal was was struck uh, a couple weeks ago as as prologue to uh, getting the information on Cohen. Um, you you right. had mentioned the the grand jury. Do you know if a grand jury was ever impaneled for Cohen?
1: No, I don't know for certain. I guess. Yeah. I mean, that would yeah. be. I don't. I don't know either. That's why I asked. So. That would be the ordinary course, but I don't know.
0: Hey, listeners! Did you know that sixty six percent of men lose their hair by age thirty five? Wait a minute. Looks at calendar. Oh, coming up on that soon. Well, if you're noticing a bald spot, if you're noticing a receding hairline, anything like that, it turns out there's actually something you can do about it. So the question is, why are so many men doing nothing or turning to weird solutions when there's actual medicine and science that can help you? If hair loss is something you're worried about, there is a solution. You can go to 4 It's a one-stop shop for hair loss, skincare, and sexual wellness products for men. And I want to emphasize, because this is very important to me, being a skeptical person, this is connecting you with real doctors and medical-grade solutions to treat things like hair loss. This is absolutely not snake oil or woo or anything like that. These are prescription solutions that are doctor-recommended. And the best thing about 4 is... They save you that visit to the doctor. No waiting room, none of that, saves you time. All you have to do is answer a few quick questions. The doctor will review it and they can actually prescribe you medication. Whatever products you order are or shipped directly to your door. There's more good news because if you order now, our listeners will get a trial month of Hims for just $5 today, right now while supplies last. See the website for full details. This would cost you hundreds if you went to the doctor or pharmacy. Go to forhimscom slash OA. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S.com slash OA to take advantage of this deal and to actually do something if this is something you're worried about. That's forhimscom slash OA. Hey everyone, I need to tell you about one of our sponsors. There are so many good things like this podcast, for example, uh, that are competing for your time. And as much as I wish I could read every book and or even every important book that comes out in a year, it's just simply not feasible. But our sponsor Blinkist can actually get you a lot closer than you would think. They are the only app that takes thousands of best-selling nonfiction books and distills them down to their most impactful elements so that you can read or listen to them in under 15 minutes all on your phone. With Blinkist, you will expand your knowledge and learn more in just 15 minutes than you can in almost any other way, plus you can listen anywhere. When I think back to the books I've read over the course of my life, or even in the past few years, I don't know that I could do much better than distilling it into 15 minutes, even though I read the whole thing. I can't remember that much, and a lot of it is kind of superfluous stuff that you don't need, depending on what book you're reading. And secondly, here's where I'm going to recommend a book. If there's a certain type of book, like say rehashes of the 2016 election I've read a wide range of those and I kind of don't need to read another one but there might be one that comes out where it's like ah, I do want to read that but I'm going to hear a lot of things I've already heard Blinkist is perfect for this because you can just get the key insights so as an example I think Fire and Fury by Michael Wolff is a perfect book to use Blinkist for You know, he's got a lot of stuff in there that you don't really need to know, but he also had some really interesting insights that everybody was talking about. Hop on Blinkist and just get a quick 15 minute distillation and know everything you need to know to be able to talk intelligently about the book. My favorite time to listen to Blinkist is while I'm doing chores. I love like dishes or yard work. I love being able to to, to listen and learn at the same time. It's really fun. And the Blinkist library is massive. They have all these timeless classics or they've got current bestsellers. Here's some examples. You've got The Miracle Morning, Thinking Fast and Slow, uh, The Power of Habit, The 4-Hour Workweek. They've got a lot of those great self-help books that help you organize and and get more out of your time. The ultimate way of doing that is using Blinkist to to read those so you get even more out of your time. And they are constantly adding more titles that are just the best of whatever the genre is. So you're always getting the most powerful ideas in a made-for-mobile format. 5 million people are using Blinkist to expand their minds 15 minutes at a time. You should get started today. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com OA to start your 7-day free trial. That's Blinkist spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash OA for opening arguments to start your free 7-day trial, and you can cancel at any time. So try it out, risk-free. Seven-day free trial, Blinkist.com slash OA. All right. Well, with that uh, unsolicited pecker that uh, Andrew sent you, I, we can now uh, move on to, <laughs> <laughs> to another another <laughs> thing we want to ask about. All right. So, inquiring minds want to know, uh, what is a perjury trap and does <laughs> is it a realistic thing for uh, a, a realistic excuse for Trump to, to not talk to the uh, Mueller investigation? People.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so, two two things. First, there is such a thing as a perjury trap, um, and second, this is not one.
2: Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, the perjury trap is a real thing, but it's actually a type of prosecutorial misconduct. It's a, it's a, it's a claim that the prosecutor brought you back or brought you into the grand jury not for any kind of legitimate investigative reason, but solely to try to trick you into some kind of inconsistent statement or trip you up somehow so they could then charge you with perjury. So an example might be, you know, say I'm doing a corruption investigation of some politician. And and after six months or a year of investigating, I decide I can't really make any of the corruption charges. But I'm going to subpoena him back to the grand jury again and confront him with a bunch of the same documents again, hoping that I can get him to make some inconsistent statement or trip him up somehow and catch him in in an inconsistency, and then I can charge him with perjury. You know, so I'm inviting him back just for that reason, to try to come up with a perjury charge because I got nothing else. Um, so, that's, so that's, le, le, I, I, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Let me let me dig down on that just just a little bit. Um, it it sounds like that's that inquiry is kind of entirely going on in the head of the prosecutor. So if you were, you know, uh, switch switch sides of the table for, for a second, you are the white collar criminal defense attorney in this case. How would you go about proving that, right? Like, how would you show that, you hmm. know, no, the the prosecution really had, the, 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 the prosecutors really brought me here pretextually. Um, but how would you go about showing a perjury trap?
1: Yeah, yeah, pretty tough. I mean, circumstantial evidence, the way we prove a lot of questions of intent in white collar cases, you know, you're kind of flipping the tables this time and, and using you know all the surrounding circumstances you could pull together to demonstrate there was no legitimate investigative reason for for them to call me back for this testimony. And then when you couple that with the nature of the charges, you know, try to argue, look, this is a, some kind of a trivial inconsistency or something that they've that they've caught me in, and that just bolsters my claim that really what was going on here was an abuse of the process. So I mean, you really are. It's a defense where you're really attacking Mm -hmm. the prosecutor. It's a claim of prosecutorial misconduct um, that the prosecutor is abusing their powers to try to get you on perjury because they can't get you on anything else. That's not at all what's going on. That's not at all what's going on here with Trump. Yeah. (laughs) yeah.
3: Before before we hit Trump, let's let's take a couple of... uh, uh, a swipes at, uh, at our friends uh, on the left side of the aisle. Um, I have heard, I'm sure you have heard some voices on the left that have sort of cavalierly responded to, uh, you know, Giuliani's claim that, you know, this whole thing is a perjury trap with sort of the, uh, the statement of, well, yeah, pff, the, You can easily avoid a perjury trap just by not perjuring yourself. That that's not a thing. Um, So, you know what? It it sounds like, right, that that uh, that you think that there is sort of a real risk there in in real prosecutions, even among people who are, you know, sort of whom you would expect to to testify with, you know, kind of general truthfulness. So, uh, you know, what, 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 why isn't that a good answer? Why isn't it a sufficient answer to just say, well, you know, don't perjure yourself?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's a little, it's a little too simple. Um, so, I mean, perjury trap is a real thing. It's not a common thing. And as a defense, you know, it very rarely succeeds, although defendants try to raise it fairly often. But the thing is, if you're talking about a complex white-collar case, you know, where I might be asking you about, you know, dozens of different documents and have you in the grand jury for, you know, for eight hours or something, if I have you in once and then I bring you back a year later and ask you, you know, a lot of the same questions, you might have a different recollection. You know, you might give a different answer, and not because you're affirmatively trying to lie, but just because people's recollections fail over time or you get confused or you know, any number of reasons, just inconsistent inconsistencies do happen. Right. But the idea with a perjury trap is, uh, that the prosecutor is, you know, trying to sort of play gotcha. You know, if I can just catch you in something, uh, then I can charge you with perjury, even though I, I, I couldn't prove my other charges. Um, so, you know, it's not impossible that even an innocent person who's trying to tell the truth, Uh, You know, gets under eight hours of grilling in the grand jury, makes some inconsistent statements, uh, you know, in in a lengthy and complicated investigation that could happen to anyone. And the idea behind a perjury trap is the prosecutor is sort of trying to exploit that to bring perjury charges, even when they're not really justified or appropriate. So
3: why is that not what? Bob Mueller is doing here to Donald Trump. I mean, you know, it, it, that that seems like kind of the perfect thing to do to a president that, you know, of all all of our reports are that, you know, he sort of loses focus after about half an hour and, you know, has trouble paying attention. I mean, you know, it It, uh, it, it seems like a good tactic, right?
1: Well, I mean, this is this isn't a perjury trap because this is just asking the president to come in and testify, which is what any witness would be asked to do. Uh, the the premise behind a perjury trap is that there's not a legitimate investigative reason for me to have you in the grand jury, and and that's not at all the case here. I mean, President Trump is at the center of everything that that Mueller is investigating, and uh, you know there are certainly a lot of things that Mueller would like to ask him about if he were to testify. So uh, I like to say if, if you you know being being called to the uh, the analogy that I like to, to use is that if calling uh, this a perjury trap is like saying driving a car is a speeding trap. All right. I mean, you can get, you get, you get behind, <laughs> the, you get behind the wheel that gives you the opportunity to speed and break the law. Right. Uh, but you still have to choose to do that. And you have the option of abiding by the law and driving within the speed limit. And the same is true of being subpoenaed to testify. Um, you, it gives you the opportunity to commit perjury, but that doesn't make it a perjury trap. You know, you still have to choose to lie. Um, and say, if, if this is a perjury trap, then any witnesses ever subpoenaed to testify anywhere would say it's a perjury trap. Because there's no, you know, prior statements by the president, no prior testimony by the president, no suggestion that they are trying to get him in to answer questions You know, not for some legitimate investigative reason, but solely to try to trick him into catching him in some kind of inconsistency. So I understand why the president's lawyers would be, you know, very concerned that he might lie. (laughs) (laughs) But but that doesn't make it a perjury trap. Right.
3: So. So let, let me see if I can distill the 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 two things that you've said so you know we're 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 arming our listeners with the uh you know fox news watching uncle frank that says this is all a uh, a perjury trap it, it seems like that the two distinctions you've made are number one uh, a perjury trap requires there to be no legitimate ongoing investigation uh which is not the case here and number two that this is even more, not a perjury trap, because there's no prior record of the president's testimony to go back and contradict and thus nothing from which you could build a case of perjury as opposed to, you know, the 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 paradigmatic case that you've described of uh, you, you bring in a witness and then, you know, you wait a year and bring him back in a year later. And then, you know, I, I see this in civil cases all the time, right, that, that you know, that that's classic uh impeachment of the witness to you know put a prior inconsistent right. statement up there is that a, is that a fair yeah. summary
1: yeah i mean the key is yes uh, you know the the key is the prosecutor's intent right cuz like i said what at at bottom this is really a claim of prosecutorial misconduct and so what you have to look at is you know are are they bringing the witness in because they really have legitimate questions to ask them and a need to talk to them or are they doing it just to try to trap them in some uh, crime, because they either just ought to get them, or they can't prove their other charges. So we're going to try to get you on this perjury charge. Yeah, and it's just, it's I just I don't I no don't know, know that
3: I'm going to have any luck uh, persuading Uncle Frank that that's not the case, right? That you know that that this isn't a rigged witch hunt. But um, uh, but 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 uh, I I certainly see the difference. Let me ask the the question: Why do you think that? this is the rhetoric that Giuliani and other Trump defenders have sort of settled in on if, you know, the analogy really kind of breaks down the minute you start looking at it.
1: Yeah. I think it's all, I mean, it's all part of the same pattern that's been going on for, you know, what a year or more now uh, to, to undermine and and attack the Mueller investigation. Right. So Mm -hmm. if you, if you claim it's a perjury trap, then, you're, you're, uh, you're setting yourself up for a defense no matter what you do. If you refuse to submit to the interview, which I think is pretty likely in the end, he, he won't agree to an interview, you can tell your supporters, well, we couldn't sit down for the interview because it was a perjury trap. It was unfair, right? Um, right? Or if you or if you do the interview and then you end up getting accused of perjury by Mueller in a report to the attorney general or wherever, um, then you say, well... Uh, you know that charge is not legitimate because it was a perjury trap. So either way, it's part of the whole pattern of undermining the Mueller investigation, calling it a witch hunt. You know, the the saying the investigation's illegitimate with Mueller and his 13 angry Democrats or whatever, 17 angry Democrats, whatever it is yeah. now. Um, you know, it, it's all part of the same story.
0: Look, uh, all right, I, I'm this is this is absurd. I mean, I if I were in charge of things, I'd be like, all right, I grant you immunity from perjury. Because like it's not the I as a citizen uh, you know and a voter I'm not interested in catching Trump in a lie I'm interested in knowing whether or not he colluded with Russia uh paid off right. made illegal campaign contributions, and did all these actual crimes I you know like I don't care you know if if what happened as a result of this investigation and the interview or whatever with him is all when it's all said and done we've got a charge of perjury i'd actually be pretty disappointed and and honestly yeah. not even care that much about you know it'd be kind of like clinton where if it was just an inconsistent statement it's like well i guess there wasn't really that much there
1: yeah but the problem with that is I mean, if, if you grant someone immunity from perjury then And you're really undermining the entire fact-finding process of the justice system, right? I mean, the entire, the the reason perjury is a crime is that the only reason we can investigate anything is that we have the force of, you know, putting people under oath and questioning them and expecting them to answer truthfully. And I don't know if you immunize you know, the president for perjury and then put him in the grand jury, what are you gonna get? You know, you're telling him, go ahead and lie. Lie lie as much (laughs) as you want, there's no consequences. That's not really a real uh, effective way to find out what the truth was, right? To to put someone in and tell them up front, "Uh, you can lie all you want and and there'll be no consequences. That's just not going to work.
3: Uh, there there haven't there haven't been so far but <laughs> yeah um, well so so a couple of things come come to mind here and and obviously I I want to get to the the terminal question of you know put you pretend that you're Alan Dershowitz and you know you get hired and you get to make the call um obviously I I, I have a sense of where you would go but I, I want to get your opinion on that but um before we do I want to detour a little bit um th- Thomas, kind of raised the natural comparison. Uh, let me give voice to that, uh, other sort of conservative talking point, which is, uh, the, you know, what about ism right. And it is, look, uh, we've already established the precedent for this. It was absolutely a perjury trap when we did it to Bill Clinton. Uh, he shouldn't have been in there. Shouldn't have had to talk about the Monica Lewinsky matter at all. He was under oath and, you know, men lie about sex. Everybody lies about sex. And, uh, and that was all they had. And, uh, and that's, that's the same thing here. This is, um, you know, don't, don't look too hard at the details, but, uh, yeah. uh so I guess I would spin that out and say, you know, first, um, it, would you apply the, the, the phrase perjury trap to the way in which, uh, the Lewinsky testimony was elicited from Bill Clinton? Let's start there.
1: Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I don't, I, you know, he, he may have lied, but I still don't think it was a trap. I mean, there were there's potential arguments that a lot of the questioning was irrelevant. You know that you know in the Paula Jones lawsuit, he shouldn't have been allowed to be questioned about, you know, the affair with Monica Lewinsky and things like that. But the solution to that is, I think, you know, your lawyer objects and you say we're not going to answer that question and you take it to the judge or whatever. You know, object on relevance grounds, things like that. the The solution is not to lie about it. Um, So I think there's a there's a distinction between saying Maybe some of the questioning was unfair, um, and saying it was a perjury trap, right? And I think, and there yeah. are other ways, and there are other ways to respond to unfair questioning. Uh, the solution is not to lie about it. Um, and the other distinction, of course, is that those were pretty tangential points in a civil lawsuit that had nothing to do with, you know, governing the country or uh, conspiring with our enemies or rigging the election or anything like that in terms of just the substance, there's no, there's really, there's no comparison at all. Right. So,
3: yeah. Yeah. No, I, I I agree with that. And I, and I think, I mean, you've the, the way you put it is, is I think what I would say, which is that I, I think some exuberant commentators on the left, you know, did us no favors 20 years ago in their characterization of, you know, the, uh, uh, of of how president Clinton testified in connection with the, uh, the Paula Jones lawsuit. But, um, yeah. uh, but, but I, I agree with you. I would not use that phrase to describe what happened in that case either. And, and, you know, no. and obviously,
1: I mean, it's yeah, not the we, case that every time somebody lies that it was because it was a perjury trap. I mean, sometimes people <laughs> just, sometimes <laughs> people just choose to commit perjury. You
2: know? <laughs>
3: right. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. I agree with that. So, um, so, yeah then let's let's go to the uh, to the ultimate question right you uh, for um, I mean uh, obviously for very good reasons because you're an excellent lawyer uh, but uh, Donald Trump calls you up uh, when this interview is over and uh, and brings you on to the team um, I'm, I'm my advice would be to get get the retainer up front uh, yeah. but uh, <laughs> you know brings brings you well, in, but you, you get, get that great deal
0: shots. where you can tell them, hey, double it for tax purposes. That's a cool <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah, you know, um
3: somebody pointed out uh, uh, on the OA uh, uh, Twitter account that that that, that grossing up that, that that the reason for grossing up for tax purposes is because you're hiding that payment as income. Right. And so Cohen is going to have to pay taxes on it. Right. If it were if you were legitimately declaring it as a reimbursement, then, you know, you would just pay him directly and it would be, you know, I expended this on behalf of my client. You know, I do that on behalf of my clients all the time. Um, And so that was the purpose behind the doubling. It was so that. Uh, Cohen's take home would actually be the amount that he put out. So it shows, you know, an additional level of, of, uh, of malicious intent there. It shows that they knew that they were mischaracterizing repayment as, as income. Um, so oh. I, it, uh, recognize that's a rabbit trail, but Thomas and I were, we, we yeah, we, we I'm still making Western
0: jokes TV. from the idea that if you're paying a vendor, you double it for tax. It doesn't make any sense the way they're, they're doing it. Of course, if it's, yeah. you know, like a reimbursement for illegal services, then sure. <laughs> right. Right.
1: Right. Uh,
3: so, uh, anyway, I, 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 uh, I, didn't mean to rabbit trail us, but you're, you're probably not surprised by that. No. <laughs> so that, I think gets us to the the terminal question, right? You represent Donald J. Trump. You get to call the shots. Uh, Would you allow your client to testify before the Mueller investigation?
1: No. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't think, I think you'd have a hard time finding a criminal defense attorney that would advise him to do this interview. Um, despite all the claiming for months and months that, you know, they really want to, and they're just trying to work out the details and things like that for, for a couple of different reasons. Um, I mean, first of all, the, the interview itself of course is voluntary, right? He, he doesn't have to agree to do it, which is why you have all the back and forth negotiations. Um, the first is his just demonstrated tendency to lie about so many things. And I mean, there's really not much dispute about that. And so you'd have to be really concerned if you're his lawyer, that if he goes into this interview, he's likely going to lie about something, and it's not because it's a perjury trap. It's just because that's what he does. And if he lies to the investigators, whether or not he's under oath, that's a whole separate crime. Um, if he refuses to do the interview, you know that's not good politically, but at least it's not creating additional crimes. You know that now he might be be subject to uh, whether in a report from Mueller or impeachment inquiries or whatever. Um, and the second thing is you have no idea what Mueller knows, right? So you can't send the president into this interview and, and you know, with him thinking that maybe he can, you know, put one over on Mueller or, or shade the truth on some of these details. I mean, Mueller knows way more than any of the rest of us know. And Uh, He's going to know if the president is not telling the truth. And so it's incredibly dangerous ground for the president, assuming you think he has something to hide uh, and knowing that he has a tendency to lie about things. um, There's very little upside to that interview and a whole lot of downside as a strictly criminal matter. Now, politically, of course, I mean, you would hope I mean, he's not just any client. He's the president of the United States. He should cooperate with any criminal investigation that's being run by his Justice Department. And that's the history with other presidents. And so politically, there's a whole different set of questions, I think. Um, And and you'd want to say, yes, of course, you should cooperate and go do the interview. But strictly as a criminal defense lawyer, and I think this has been pretty much the universal opinion of his lawyers, is that. Sitting down for a voluntary interview with somebody like Mueller is a really dangerous and bad idea.
3: So so let me ask about the tension between those two things is assume for a moment that uh, alternate universe, Donald Trump, uh, you are his lawyer. You have those same two considerations, but now. Uh, We're going to pretend that the first one isn't a problem, that that this alternate universe, Donald Trump is somebody, you know, uh, has a reputation for honest, truthful, forthright answers. You believe him uh, and you don't think he's going to go in and intend to lie. Um, Would 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 that change the calculus? Would you it would would this hypothetical client be somebody that you would say, yeah, no, go go in and, and talk to the prosecutor, even knowing the. Uh, the 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 kind of perjury trap risks that you began the segment by discussing, right? That you know, folks' memory, you know, may not match up with the documents that that Mueller has. That you know, there 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 may be the potential for honest inconsistencies. Um, would that would that tip the balance, or would you still say no? That that second factor is still uh, overwhelming.
1: Well, then the biggest consideration becomes sort of what's your client's status and what's your assessment of how likely he is to have engaged in some kind of criminal activity. Because of course the perjury is only one thing that can happen, right? He can go in and testify truthfully and make truthful statements that end up implicating him in crimes other than perjury. You know, whether it's a conspiracy to with the Russians or obstruction of justice or whatever. So even if you think he's going to tell the truth, there is a real risk to the interview if you think that, in fact, he has a risk of criminal exposure. And by going in and talking to the prosecutors and telling the truth, he's going to end up giving them additional evidence or incriminating himself in some other criminal activity. And so I think even if in that alternate universe where we have the truth telling uh, President Trump, given what we know uh, and about his you know status in the investigation uh it would still be a, a very high risk maneuver to send him in there and possibly even with truthful statements give muller additional evidence of, of conduct you think that uh, that he might have engaged in
3: so is it fair to say then that just based on the public deliberation on the record from Donald Trump's attorneys, which, you know, have included, right? I mean, you know, John Dowd has a, you know, 90 year career as, as a prominent attorney, right? Like these are, uh, he, he, he is not only has not only surrounded himself with Rudy Giuliani and Jay Sekulow, right? There've been some good lawyers as, as part of the team, um, is it is it fair to conclude from the public deliberation that the public deliberation is a concession that those lawyers think their client has potential criminal exposure?
1: Well, I don't know if we can go quite that far. I mean, you know, lawyers tend to be pretty cautious, right? Um,
0: I think what really? we-
3: not, not not on this show.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The Giuliani especially. Very. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I think you can say at a minimum that, that, you know, their judgment is that there's considerable risk, right? Whether it's, uh, whether it's of uh, incriminating himself in some other activity or committing a fresh crime of false statements or perjury. Uh, You know, there's a lot of potential downside. And like I said, very little upside criminally. I mean, you know, in a typical criminal case, I mean, again, you know, this is the president, not just any client, but in a typical criminal case, uh, someone at the center of a big investigation like this, it would be pretty unusual to have them voluntarily come in and talk to the prosecutors. You know, mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're going to politely decline, and if you subpoena them, they're going to take the fifth. Um, right. And so it's not like it's that surprising objectively. <laughs> it's just that we're dealing with the president and, and, and all these other unusual circumstances. But I think if you took that out of the equation and just looked at this as a regular criminal matter, I think – like I said, you'd have a hard time finding a criminal defense attorney that would tell him to go do this interview.
3: All right. Well, I uh, I think that's that's super helpful. I think that's going to uh, help our listeners really parse through this whole perjury trap nonsense. And uh, I, I wanted to get you on to make that really concise. You wrote a fantastic article in The Washington Post, uh, which uh, which we'll link in the show notes. Uh, we'll link your blog as well. Anything else you want to plug uh, before we get to the last segment?
1: Well, if you're interested in the perjury trap discussion, that that bit on NPR is is pretty helpful too. I think. The, okay. I think you I think you referred to that earlier on Twitter. Um, there was a story on NPR about perjury traps too.
3: Yep. We will we will go ahead and, and link that. Um, I, I would I would love we are hitting uh, the limits of our time together, sadly. Um, but uh, so I want to have you back on. Uh, that'll, that'll get you closer to jacket status uh, right. to talk about reporters privilege. Uh, but but uh, but let's tease that with um, I, I want to make the counter argument to you. Uh, which is uh, you have testified before Congress against the Free Flow of Information Act. Um, you have uh, been been very public in saying that uh, you don't think a federal reporter's privilege is necessary and that it might be uh, it might allow journalists to shield uh, criminal conduct, as happened in the Balco investigation. Um, the counterargument would be we have an administration right now that is at war with the press, right, that demonizes reporters. We had a congressional candidate body slam a reporter and then win election. Do, do the unique circumstances in Trump's America, d- does that change your view or uh, are, are you still kind of on board with it's not necessary?
1: I think it affects it. Uh, definitely. I mean, one thing that was always the case in the past was that DOJ had these voluntary and still has these voluntary, you know, guidelines about when they will and won't subpoena a reporter. And you could pretty much rely on the Department of Justice to abide by those. And as a result, you know, actual subpoenas of reporters were extremely rare, which was part of my argument that this is kind of a a solution in search of a problem for something that that very rarely actually happens. Um, And so the current atmosphere of more hostility toward the press would have to give you You know, cause to reevaluate that if you saw the Department of Justice actually changing up on that and beginning to go out and more aggressively subpoena reporters. But I don't think we've seen that. So you you have, you know, a a lot of atmospherics and and terrible rhetoric from some in the administration about the press and the president calling the enemy of the people and things like that. But you still haven't seen the Department of Justice running around and subpoenaing a bunch of reporters based on their negative stories about the administration and seeking their sources. Um, you know, if those facts changed and if it became clear that you could no longer trust the Department of Justice to abide, you know, by its own guidelines and respect uh, the press the way they have historically, then you might need to reevaluate whether you know there's a need for a legislative privilege. But I think, despite all the rhetoric, you know, in terms of facts of what's actually happening, we haven't seen that yet.
0: Well, all right. Let's, well, let's we have leave to it leave there it there. Yeah, it we can we can definitely explore that more later on. Very interesting stuff. Randall Lyson, thank you so much for joining us again. We will get the uh, we, we will get somebody working on your jacket. We'll you know, we'll find <laughs> we'll I, I don't know. I. Well, well, Trump could probably give us a line to some some really uh, cheap international uh, sources of, of labor that he uses for all his crap. So maybe we'll maybe we'll, we'll model that and uh, get you something really cheaply done just to just awesome. to save us money. <laughs> <laughs> all right, thanks guys. Make America great again. Okay. Thanks. Let's <laughs> All right, thanks again uh, in all seriousness and uh, that was that was very fascinating and uh, it's very nice uh, having uh, it's the incredible access to information resources that we seem to have with it, with a Andrew and with uh professor Elias. And it's been really cool. Thank you.
1: Great. Thank you. My pleasure.
0: And we've got so many new patrons I think who, who uh, must've really enjoyed and wanted to get in on that uh, bonus episode. Thank you guys so much. Patreon.com slash law. We've got some great new patrons to thank. We'll try to go as fast as we can, but uh, but they deserve it. So we're not going to go too fast. Uh, they are Kurt Berger. Move the Rays to Montreal. uh Oh, is that more Ooh. fighting words, Andrew? Yeah, those are fighting words. <laughs> Dan Ingman. The response in Arkel V. Prestrum. Is that another? You got to explain these <laughs> references to me. All legal slash uh, hitchhiker references you have to explain to me. Chris Mm. prefers ads between segments, not in the middle of them. Well, Chris, you did the smart thing and became a patron, and now you don't have to hear any ads ever again. So there you go. (laughs) Muriel Lavender, One With Nothing, David Lind, Patrick Herley, sorry, Killer Cotton Shizno. (laughs) That's a cool name. Janet Stearns, Lorenzo Wang, Dalen Lee Samus Grix, Matthew Bittinger. I don't know how to pronounce this one. Kao Cha, sorry. Luke Valenti, Caleb Lackey, Chris Hollander, Taco Overlord. (laughs) I definitely know how to pronounce Taco Overlord. I mean, that's a very common phrase in my vocabulary. Patrick Bracken, Zachariah Kilburn, Matt Durant, uh, D. Deshevsky, Fork Bomb, uh, (laughs) Rachel K., The (laughs) Holy Duck, Andrew Taylor. I've got a headache. Sorry. I just can't. Sometimes I get a weird idea in my head about these patrons and uh, that comes out. Illusion is not a crime. Oh, I like it. Richard Murray. Give American mesothelioma again. John Higley. Chris Hoare. We will look back on this and ask how. I hope so. Yeah. Simon Benny. Steve Smith. Josh. Dom Lane. Emil Holm. Ben Abbott. Tarn Somerville Fletcher. Kent Birneth, Peter, Tim Ibbitson, Samtron 6000, Vote Hindsight 2020, Rowan Willis, and Douglas Yenser. Thank you guys so much. And thank you to Mahmoud al
3: Ryan Etch, Andrew Justo, Duma Sigwagwe, I practiced the law, I practically perfected it, Luke Burley, Asbestos for the rest of us, John Pledge, Preston Lynch, Angela Shin, Emmett Garber, Jim Borinek, Bethany, Glenn, Matt Handley, Sean spelled correctly, and that's (laughs) S-E-A-N. The Purge was better before hipsters started doing it. Vibe have tar and poop are both asphalt's. Hashtag the more you know. All right. Good to know. Lindsay Isile, Michelle Reynolds, Aaron Wilson, Suzanne Wickman, Sean Brady, Highway to Yodel, I picture that BCDC. <laughs> Kyle Stakowski, Jessica Bell, Catherine Block, Stephen Triffin, Owen Deary, Lucas Bush, Charlie Shaw, Pascal Vandenberg, Oompa Loompa, oompa-dee-doo, Bob Mueller is coming for you. (laughs) (laughs) Nice work. Andrew Torres could get you off for murder using this one weird trick. (laughs) Roger Craig, Greg Swindle, Amy Seitz, Adam Harris, Julia Farnsworth, Raymond Wong, Michael Gamar, Paul Hopkins, Ella's Emporium, Andy... At Office Haikus, at Office Haikus, at Office Haikus, at Office Haikus. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to have to check that out. And Jonathan Holt, thank you all so much for supporting the show.
0: Absolutely. Hope you enjoy that stuff. And uh, now it is time to find out what happened in that TTTBE question. Boy, that was a really tough one.
3: Oh, no associate of this firm has ever failed the bar exam. No kidding. Yeah. So this was a, uh, a tort question. This involved a uh, kind of a multi-layered scenario. So you have a construction company digging the trench in a uh, high crime neighborhood. And then uh, it is specified in the fact pattern that, you know, there have been thefts
0: during the If it was uh, the uh, near the White House, it could be a high crime and misdemeanor uh, neighborhood, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. different. A high white collar crime yeah. neighborhood. Yeah.
3: Um, Then uh, late one night, construction company uh, neglected to place warning lights around the trench. So a delivery truck drives into it, breaks its axle. The driver gets out. He is calling a tow truck and thieves from this high white collar crime area uh, come out and break into the back of the truck, steal three hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of goods. The construction company stipulates that it's negligent as to failure to put out the warning lights uh, and. Uh, at, at presumably leading to the crash of the delivery truck, uh, but then denies that it has any liability for the loss of the goods. Um, and so then the parties file cross motions for summary judgment. And uh, you, Thomas, you, you you kind of puzzled through this, right? A cross motion just means both sides yeah. say, uh, we don't need to go to trial. Uh, we have all of the information that we have. There are no disputed material facts. And we want judgment as a matter of law on this issue. Right. The issue. Right. That this is testing is the issue of foreseeability in torts. Right. So our answers were A. Deny both motions, which means you go to trial, because there is evidence to support a finding that the construction company should have realized that its negligence could create an opportunity for a third party to commit a crime. And then the other answers were all some version of granting one of the party's motions for summary judgment. So B was... Grant the construction company's motion because no one could have foreseen that the failure to place warning lights could result in the loss of a cargo of valuable goods. Um, that was the first answer you eliminated. I will tell you that is a good elimination. Um The rule on foreseeability is generally that uh, foreseeability is an issue for the jury, right? So in other words, uh, you don't get summary judgment on foreseeability. The parties will say, yeah, you know, this is it's up to the finder of fact to take a look at the situation and say, uh, are you know, does does this count as foreseeable or not? Right. So the jury gets to weigh the testimony and they get to decide Um, answer C grant the construction company's motion because the criminal acts of third persons were a superseding cause of the loss. Um, you I, I think you flirted with this answer. I will tell you, I think this was the best attractive distraction. Yeah, my thinking uh, because, though
0: was mm-hmm. when we talked about cyber crime or whatever and we ta- it seemed like if C were true, then no company could be liable for when somebody steals your data from them no matter how crappy their security was kind of thing. Is that on the right track?
3: That is exactly right. So the general rule is, in fact, the acts of a third party are considered a superseding cause in the tort chain of liability. But there is an exception when you, uh, as the defendant, engage in activity that you knew or should have known increased the likelihood of criminal wrongdoing. Right. So, yeah. yes, in general, that's the correct statement. But you are correct that it doesn't operate as an absolute rule. And so if you make it more likely that somebody commits a crime, then you, the original defendant, can be liable for that chain of, of causality. So, C, not a correct answer. Uh, really a, a popular attractive distractor. A number of people have already guessed it on uh, on Twitter. Um and then D was grant the delivery company's motion because but for the construction company's activities, the goods would not have been stolen. Um, that is uh, that notion of but for causation is, uh, a- again, another correct general restatement of the rules in tort. Uh, but that answer is incorrect.
0: Whoa.
3: here because, Yep. So by process of elimination, uh, so let me finish on why sure. it's incorrect. Uh, it is incorrect because there is, uh, because but for causation uh, is not dispositive of the question here. Uh, the question is, as, as we have alluded to, a question of foreseeability. And so the issue is, can a finder of fact conclude from this pattern that Uh, The construction company's negligence increased the likelihood that criminals would come over and loot the back of this delivery truck. And that makes a the correct answer. So you got it correct. Um, it, it, is uh, incredible. It, the, the reason, and, and I, and I was, I, oh, I was biting down hard on my tongue Yeah. <laughs> while you were puzzling through because you, you were like, I really like, Hey, it seems right. But what is it? You know, what, what are the cross motions for some reason? yeah does It's so really? funny because like this means... sometimes
0: after we record like an hour later, my brain, cause this, it's so much as a non lawyer to try to process. And I was like, you know, I guess that does kind of make sense because if you're denying both motions then you 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 are having to kind of go to trial or whatever and you know, and it ended up making a weird kind of sense to me so but man that i am still pretty lucky to have got this right i'm i'm yeah, on a tear no. right now this is crazy
3: <laughs> you you are on a five question win streak you are at uh, 52 Out of ninety, which is uh, a a pretty great number. So Uh, I'm closing in on sixty percent. Sixty
0: percent is in my sights here. I never. I was. Uh, I was kind of joking when I thought like, oh, if I get what thirteen out of (laughs) sixteen or whatever I said it was fourteen out of seventeen or something. (laughs) But man, it's. I'm like halfway there you could you could do it absolutely wow. no so um so yeah so that's
3: where we are uh, this is a an issue of foreseeability where a court would very likely say um, the the pattern of p- previous crimes in the neighborhood we're not going to grant summary judgment on that we're not going to say yeah as a matter of law that definitely meant that it was foreseeable that somebody could come by and loot the the back of the truck on the other hand we're gonna let the parties, we're going to let the plaintiff put on evidence of that, right? And then we're going to let the jury make up their minds and— and. In listening to testimony say, OK, do we you know, do we think that there is a sufficient case here that the negligent activity increased the risk in a foreseeable way that somebody would steal the goods and not just obviously it is foreseeable. Right. You would grant the reason that they have the stipulation uh, in in mm-hmm. the predicate of the question is uh, you would grant a motion on summary judgment in favor of the plaintiff on Driving off the road, right? Like right. failure to put up the lights over a trench, it is it, the immediately foreseeable result of that is somebody drives into the trench in the middle of the night, right? Like yeah. So, uh, so that's what this was differentiating between something that uh, there there was no doubt about as a factual matter and something that reasonable people can disagree. So great job. Congratulations.
0: Sir. Wow. Thank you. Well, I've, you know what? I earned it. <laughs> you did. This is, you know what? This is a good last few shows of everybody on the show being right all the time, just just to rub it in. <laughs> That's why you should listen to, listen to us. <laughs> there you go. Mainly Andrew. Okay, uh, let's hop in our limited use time machine and uh, tell everybody who is this week's winner, who is just as uh, brilliant at the bar exam as I am and got this one right. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice...
3: Well, Thomas, a bunch of folks got the answer correct. This was pretty well debated. A lot of people chose D, uh, but a fair number of people chose A. This week's winner, however, uh, operated on kind of a meta level. It was Chris Gunn on Twitter who says it's A because Andrew has a tell where he laughs in a particular manner when Thomas gets the answer correct. So looks like he's right because uh, he was able to guess the answer correctly. I'm going to have to be a bit more circumspect. Thanks for bringing that to my attention, Chris, Uh, and and everyone should, A, give Chris Gunn a follow on Twitter. That is at C-W-I-Z-E-1. And B, never, ever play poker with Chris Gunn. Gosh, that's, um, wow. Uh, congratulations, Chris. Thanks for letting us know. And I will try and uh, hold the cards a little closer to the vest in the future. Thanks.
0: If I get to 60%, it's going to be probably the biggest meaningless accomplishment of my life. <laughs> I get nothing for it it doesn't matter in any way uh, but uh, but i'll I'll feel I'll feel a certain amount of pride all right well that's our show thank you so much for listening thank you so much to professor Randall Eliason for coming on as always and uh, patreon.com slash law we will get you the schedule for the q a and lot off movies and all that very soon coming up I can't believe it's already toward the end of another month but that's uh, that's yeah. how we do it here and we're uh, real happy to have you listening and supporting. And we'll see you next time.
2: This has been Opening Arguments with Andrew and Thomas. If you love the show and want to support future episodes, please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash law. If you can't support us financially, it'd be a big help if you could leave us a five-star review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever podcast delivery vehicle you use. And be sure to tell all your friends about us. For questions, suggestions, and complaints, email us at openarguments at gmail.com. The show notes and links are on our website at www.openargs.com. Be sure to like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at OpenArgs. Until next time. is production of Opening Arguments Media, LLC. All rights reserved.
3: Opening Arguments is produced with the help of our editor, Brian Ziegenhagen, production assistant, Natalie Newell, and our unofficial researcher, Magpie. A special thanks to the moderators of the Opening Arguments Facebook community, Natalie, Alicia Cook, Eric Brewer, and Emily Waters. And also thanks to Thomas Smith, who wrote and produced all of the amazing music you hear, which is used with his permission. Sorry for springing uh, the Pecker leak on you right away. but Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe.